right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, as he is every Friday, most every Friday, you'd be lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski. Happy Friday, Rick. And you know what? This is almost like a, I feel like it's, it might even be like a monthly appearance that we've done this now. <laughs> and it's, and it's like, we, we get a story and maybe he's listening, or maybe we got to just continue. So this is like a, you know how you used to watch TV? Ian, Ian, are you there? You know how you used to watch TV and the show, the next episode, you'd have to wait a week? This is what this is, Ian. That that sounds that sounds about right, yes. But now I just binge everything. <laughs> right? You're just like, my weekend's over. I watched nine seasons of Scrubs. Uh, Ian Turner is the... Uh, airport czar. I guess you know what, Ian. I didn't write it down. I, I, I was going to say the director of the airport, Lacrosse Regional Airport. How's that? There, there you go. That was fine. The and uh, we had we had a conversation last week, and then we went we went we need Ian Turner to come on the next week, the next episode here, as our sitcom continues with uh, Florida stories. A Florida man, a Florida woman, Florida snake, Florida frozen chicken <laughs> i don't know if the duct tape story so every so i'll give you the saga a little bit and as as before we get into some of the politics with Trigoski, a couple months ago uh, 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 i don't know if it was if it was airport like what are they called the people on the air, on the airplane uh, it was the uh, tsa that caught this one on the, 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 I'm doing duct tape. I'm doing it. Oh yeah, that was in the air. Yeah, there was an unruly passenger. We had all those issues during COVID with people who just weren't behaving. They weren't behaving themselves in airplanes. They weren't behaving themselves in restaurants. People just weren't behaving in general in many cases. And so there was this unruly passenger on an airplane. Someone happened to have a roll of duct tape. So what do you do? You just duct tape the dude to his chair. Yeah, and I'm not sure if flight attendants did that or other passengers. I feel like there's probably, you know what, we could go look. There's probably a lawsuit happening uh, with this guy (laughs) that gets duct tape. So we had to bring Ian on that week. And we'll just recap. Ian, can you bring duct tape on a plane and then, you know, just in case you've got to duct tape a passenger, that's unruly. That's, yes, you can bring duct tape on an airplane. All right. So then a couple. We'll go through the checkpoint and the airlines don't have a problem with it. Okay. We might even borrow it as we found out. But we still have. (laughs) I I stepped on that one. My bad. But we still have, we can't bring like uh, bottled water or. Uh, big bottles of shampoo, stuff like that. Still, I haven't ridden on a, flown on an airplane in a while. Yeah, li- liquids are still limited to three point four ounces or less. So just just enough for a, a travel sized toothpaste. About. All right. What if your liquid is melting off a of frozen chicken? Because a couple weeks later, we had to call Ian because of not so. So a passenger hit a gun inside a frozen chicken, and that went through. Did it go through the, the x-ray machine? Trigoski? It did. And this was a Florida man story. Of course. And of, and we don't need we don't need Ian, and I think Ian did the PSA thing on, not TSA, but the PSA on don't bring guns on an airplane. So we don't need that. But, Ian, raw meats, frozen chickens, uh, what is TSA doing when I try to carry on a frozen chicken? Well, they're definitely looking at you weird and then making sure that it's not dripping more than 3.4 ounces of uh, fluid. All right. Sounds good. Uh, it's, it's frowned upon. 
uh, but not illegal. You can bring a frozen Chicago. Really, it would be really weird. Um, all right, so Chagoski, and then last week we had this story where somebody brought their therapy boa constrictor. A four-foot emotional support boa constrictor named Bartholomew. Bartholomew. First of all, Ian, what do you think of the name Bartholomew for a four-foot boa constrictor? I, I think that that's a pretty decent name for a, a pet I would never have. Or. Uh, therapy pet. <laughs> you, you know, Ian, I had that same reaction. Like, if I was going to have a four-foot emotional support boa constrictor, I think Bartholomew is a pretty good name. Yeah. Does, I, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Here, Bartholomew? Come here. I don't know. Do boa constrictors come to their name? I don't even know. <laughs> Can they be um, trained? And this was a Florida woman story? This was a Florida woman story. This was a Florida woman story. So last week, uh, TSA and this was a little different because the, the boa constrictor Ian's, was... By in, the way, Rick, Ian's job is so much less stressful that he works in lacrosse instead of a Florida airport. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's see. We're not so sure. Well, you know, that might have just not... Whatever Ian does might not get released to the media. Like TSA literally put this on their Instagram page. This boa constrictor went through luggage. Like it was in some luggage. It was in a bag. And then they, they look at it at the x-ray machine and they're like, what is that? This like four foot long. They don't know what's a snake at this point. Ian, you ever experienced anything like this? What in your reading of this? What what were your thoughts? My, my my thought is they very well could have gotten this boa constrictor where they needed to go if they had declared it as a traveling animal with them. I think most airlines have a process to go through that, but you uh, place that in your carry on, send it through the. Uh, through the x-ray machine, and, and that just, I think, raises a bunch of flags. And uh, if, if you read through the lines there, it was not the TSA that said no. It was the airline that you're not putting a snake on my plane. Uh, and I think there's a documentary or something out there with, with a, a famous uh, individual that gave us a lot of reasons why. Yeah, is that Samuel Adams? or uh, what, uh, Is he named after a beer, the, the documentary? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, there it is. Yeah, there is a documentary. Have you seen that one? I haven't actually seen that. I've only seen clips where I, we'd, we would have to bleed out. The, That's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. Like, the entire plot is that there's a bunch of snakes on an airplane. Like, that's right. literally the entire movie. And you know what, TSA and, and whatever airline, they've probably seen that movie and go, nope, we're not having it. Yeah. I, I didn't do my due diligence either here, and Ian's not going to have any answer for us. We should have brought a, a veterinarian a zookeeper, something like, hey, is it okay to put an animal, a snake, through the x-ray machine? I feel like that's not good for an animal or anybody. No. No, I I, I do know that the, the TSA would much rather uh, screen uh, living things in a more uh, appropriate manner, and they do have alternative measures to do that. Uh, so so no, don't don't set any any pet or living thing through an X-ray machine uh, in airport security. Now if now you said there is a process to bring your snake on. Would it ride in the in the bulkhead? Is that what that's called? Is that how that works? If I wanted to bring my boa constrictor, as long as it's legal to have and go to from whatever state to whatever state. That that's something we'd have to, to reach out to the TSA for to get an, an official answer on. But um, yeah, there there's there's got to be a way there, and it, it's going to be you know a, a dedicated pet carrier type thing. Yeah, not exactly legal, I don't think, in every state to have a pet boa constrictor. But in Florida, definitely, I think there's no rules in Florida. Anything, for anything. goes. Anything goes. All right, Ian Turner, um, have you have you had any experience in the lacrosse airport of, of this 
kind of light, this something very unusual that went through uh, a checkpoint? Uh, n- nothing t- too crazy since my time here in Lacrosse. I uh, did once upon a time uh, chase a traveling dog across the airport that got out of its carrier. Uh, so no, that's probably the most. Uh, pertinent thing I've I've dealt with in in my career. Okay, I'm immediately uh, nothing too crazy. Okay, immediately I'm thinking now. Now I'm thinking the dog's like out on the runway and you're out on the ru- chasing this dog. But uh, you're gonna have to tell the story, Ian. Like how long were you chasing it? When you chase dogs, they don't come to you. You have to you have to run away from the dog so it chases you. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, it, yeah uh, you you pretty much told the story there. It was it was out <laughs> on the airfield and we had to have some conversations with uh, air traffic controllers and things. But uh, you know, dog treats can work work miracles when you need them to. Now I'm just imagining. Okay, when when my dog gets out or. It gets into the street. I'm holding. Tra- I'm like, hey, car, stop! My dog is right here. Can I gotta go grab her quick? Uh, were you doing that with airplanes, Ian? Hey, hey, uh, seven forty-seven. Could you just hold up a minute? I gotta run across the 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 runway here quick to grab this dog. Yeah, I mean, we we have a we we have procedures for you know actual wildlife in those sorts of circumstances. So it's very similar to that. You you let the tower know that there's a hazard out there. We don't want anyone landing and and uh, um, causing any type of issues on our runways. So you know we have inspections and things and procedures to take care of that. So uh, yes, absolutely, doing some level of that with with assistance of coworkers and their traffic control and the airlines. All right, what kind of treats? Are like who's who's got treats, or did you just get like a hamburger out of the you know lunchroom area? It, yeah, I, I was not the one that found the treats, so I don't I don't remember. But we'll just go with a dog bone. A dog bone, sure. Um, does the Lacrosse Airport have wildlife issues ever? Uh, we are uh, an airport on an island between two bodies of water, so yes, we have we have <laughs> wildlife issues, and most airports have some level of wildlife issues. For us, it's the airborne variety. Uh, you out there shooing birds? Woo, get out of here with the umbrella like uh, Indiana Jones's dad. Yeah, I, I am not uh, completely trained to do that anymore. No, that's that's something I leave to the the trained uh, airport staff we have out here. Ian, what are some of the things that you've got going on at the airport? What are some of the new highlights at the Lacrosse Regional Airport? Uh, we have larger aircraft being flown by both American and Delta. We've got 76-seat uh, airplanes coming and going now next month. American will be moving to three flights per day up from their two today, uh, this month, uh, which is uh, important and, and great steps moving forward coming out of this very unique time that we've all lived through and seems to be lingering in the airline industry. Lingering in terms of frozen chickens, boa constrictors, and duct taping passengers <laughs> to the plane. Nothing that Ian has had the experience, thank God. Ian, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Oh, take care. Have a great weekend. You too. All right, that was Ian Turner, the director at the Lacrosse Regional Airport. All right, Trigoski is going to stick in here for the rest of the show. If you got political questions, do we have a we we? I got to go to break. Do we have just a little tease? Do we have a weird story of the week? We we besides what we just did, we do, Rick. So think back to when you were 29 years old. Would you have, if you could have pulled it off, posed as a high school student and relived, literally, high school all over again? That's coming up. We'll be back. Sam doing the news. You want to sing along here? I don't think I can. don't know the words. I just, yeah, th- like, I just dig the beginning. She's like the female. This is like the female Pearl Jam. Like, hey, hey, 
Because it's hard to understand it, but yeah. Spiderwebs, no doubt. I felt like we needed some warm weather vibes. Yeah, it was very cold out yesterday when I shoveled the driveway and then woke up today and went, oh, I have to shovel the driveway again. Let's do it all over again. It's the worst. It's the worst. Also, I don't mind it. Kind of like shoveling the driveway. (laughs) Like people hate winter, right? Like there's just obviously like some people just leave Wisconsin and get to go live in Arizona or whatever. Uh, if I if I lived somewhere where there was no winter, I'd be a little sad. Aren't there some chores that you just hate, but other chores that you kind of don't mind? Like yeah, mowing me, the lawn, I think, yeah, is one of those. That, for me, it's washing the dishes. Really? I don't mind washing the dishes. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. But I hate mowing Wait, the lawn. do you wash the dishes or do you put them in the dishwasher? Well, it depends how many we got. Okay. I just saw this informational. I, I want to say it's a meme, but it was more like a, a little story in a slideshow. It said, don't. Don't rinse your dishes. If you have a new dishwasher, don't rinse your dishes. Just put them in the dishwasher. Get rid of the bulky food. Okay. Right? Like, don't leave a burrito on your plate and then put that in the dishwasher, (laughs) right? But, like, you don't have to rinse off all the crud and the scum and just put it in the dishwasher. And I don't believe it for one second. No, I I feel like... And I have a nice... I have have a fairly new dishwasher. I feel like my whole life is a lie at this point with that information. I do feel a little itchy. When I'm when the hot water is blasting and I've been like scraping at a piece of old spaghetti on a plate, you know, like some of the sauce <laughs> for like 15 seconds. And I'm like, this is all this is the amount of water the entire dishwasher will use for its whole it's cycle. True. It's for true. me trying to get this. So, I mean, it, there's two things. A, I don't know if it's going to take the scum off the dishes. And then B, if all my dishes are full of this scum, where does that scum go? Yeah. Because does it go down the drain or is it caught in some filter somewhere that I've literally never – have you ever opened your dishwasher and, and unhooked it or nope. dug in there and found some filter where it's nope. catching all this food, right? Like the drains in your sink are full of that stuff. So where is all that food going? So this is why I don't believe it for one second. All right. Well, I'm never using my dishwasher again now. Never again. And you know what? If you like doing dishes, maybe you should quit this political science thing and just be like, hey, dishwasher for hire – how many people in, in, you know, like I'll come over 30 bucks. I'll come do your dishes once a week. <laughs> I could do that every day of the week. Like you got like how many houses would you have if it was 30 bucks a house and you just did their dishes? Although at one point, if, if I remember my college days, I had we, we rotated dishes. But it, but at one one of the five roommates would just wait. It was his turn, but he would just wouldn't do it. And then the every literally every dish would be dirty. And then he would have to do dishes for seven hours. I feel like that always happens with trying to arrange chores when you're like young and living with a bunch of roommates or you're in college. Oh, like yeah. There's just someone who doesn't oh. pull up their end of the bargain. Yeah. Well, we had this guy, he pulled his end of the bargain, but he would wait all week. And then, okay. he would do, and, and then we had another friend that would do dishes about 15 minutes after him. So literally like three dishes that he used. And he's like, I check Mark, I did my dishes. And then we had, we had another friend that said, I'm going to do my own dishes. So take me off the list. And I'm not going to do anyone else's dishes. I will just keep a plate, a fork, a spoon, and a cup. This is my, and that's all I'll use. And, of course, he never did that. He would just use a cup and put it in the pile and then just didn't do dishes. For me in college, it was buying toilet paper. There were, We traded off the duty of buying toilet paper, but one of us would wait until there was, like, 
a quarter of the final roll left to buy toilet paper. So there was some drama involved there, you know, really conserving that final roll to make sure that he would actually show up with a new pack of toilet paper on time. I went for, for like 30 years of my life without having to buy Kleenex, toilet paper, any of this stuff, like thinking about it, like, oh, I have to go to the store and pay money for this because my dad worked at Kimberly Clark. <laughs> there you and go. And we have a stockpile because they would just give free, they would give free product to uh, to workers. They stopped doing that at some point, but we at some point, we had a stockpile. We have a room dedicated to toilet paper and Kleenex boxes in our basement. And when I was in college, I'd go home on the weekend, I'd stock up. And so, and then I got over here on the other side of the state and started like living life. And I was like... Man, I got mom. Can you come bring some of the stockpile over? Because I like it's just unfathomable that I had to pay money to wipe my butt. Right? Like it was something that I never thought of. I got to pay money to blow my nose. This is like what? This is crazy. Oh, don't even get me started on the toilet paper rush during the beginning of the pandemic. Oh lord, oh lord. Speaking of speaking of toilet paper rush, Joe, you're on the air. Go ahead. <laughs> Transition. I'll let you guys talk about that, but uh, I thought about this thoroughly, and I regret to inform you that Dawn Dish Soap and Big Dishwasher are in it together. They have to be. The only thing I can conclude is that uh, they got together, and Big Dishwasher said, don't worry. We're going to tell them that they have to pre-wash their dishes, (laughs) pre-rinse their dishes first. No, but we're so, saying the opposite, us, I think. We're being complete fools thinking we're saving all the... Look at me saving time. All I have to do is rinse these dishes off, and then I put them in this washer. Well, in that same amount of time, if you would just wash them while you rinse them, you would be done. Exactly. However, big dishwasher gets in there. They're all making money on it. I guarantee it. Well, I also have on my dishwasher extended, like, super heat dry that I just turn off. I'm like, what? I don't... The, the dishes are. I don't need the heat to dry my dishes. I'll just. I'll just. I don't know what that that's for. Like spots on the glass or something. Also, why is Dawn putting ducks on their on their bottles? Like, oh, look at us. We're the. This is what you use when the oil spill comes. We'll use Dawn dish soap to clean the ducks off. It's just. Oh, it's pet safe. Like what? No, it's not. The other thing is, is we put all these things and we do all these things and we add all these additives. I have never had a spot free glass. I don't know. If that's a necessity, I've never had an issue with any spots on my glass, but apparently it's very terrible. You should never have it, but I've never gotten to the elusive spot-free glass. Joe, are you doing the extended superheat dry on your dishwasher, though? You don't have a dishwasher. I I do, do, and and it is on there. But I've tried it both ways without that extended on there, without that little LED, you know, like... uh, that tells me that it's going to be that way. It, it, there's no difference when I open the door either way. I'm telling you, it's big dishwasher. Big dishwasher. All right, thanks. Another conspiracy from Joe, big dishwasher. See, uh, this one I actually believe in. Oh, though. for sure. I yeah, mean, I completely had, believe this one. I mean, one. we've had uh, big chicken. I don't know if we had big chicken conspiracies, but there's, you know, I mean, all kinds of conspiracy theories here on the Crosstalk PM. All right, we got to take a break. Uh, have we even talked about anything that we have? We, we do have to get to this lady that was imitating. <laughs> we do. It, it, was she in high school imitating being high school? She right? was 29 years old, imitating a high school student and actually attended class for four days. 
All right. So there's that. We also have fake nurses, like nurses getting fake degrees. And this is something kind of along the lines. I feel like we could work chat GTP into this conversation with AI and just like technology allowing people to do some of this stuff when we come back. If this plays in your car right now, you're you're driving home. Do you do you are you tempted just to roll the windows down a little bit and just put your arm out? Absolutely, even on a day like today. <laughs> All right, we're trying to warm you up here in Lacrosse Talk PM. That's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tragoski. I'm Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We're gonna get to these stories with fake nurses and a fake, I guess a fake student, right? A 29 year old yeah. student. Uh, Eric Rispard is on hold here. Thanks for waiting. Eric, if you posed as a, as a high school student, how long before the high school would, would say, no, you're... Mr. Zagoski, a question. Okay, so you don't want to play along. So, All right, we can't have a conversation. Uh, we're trying to work you into the show, Eric, but no, just, <laughs> just no. No, doesn't want to have any fun. Um, it would be one minute, right? Yeah. I mean, how long do you, do you think you would like you're you're I, I feel like you could pull it off like this 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 woman 29 years old got got away with being a high schooler for 4 days. Anyone who watches 30 Rock knows this. Steve Buscemi, remember Steve yep. Buscemi? He poses as a high schooler to go undercover to look for something for for whatever the guy Alec Baldwin whatever. I guess we can't can we talk, talk about Alec Baldwin anymore? He's on sure. trial for like murder right now. Yeah. It's, it's super weird but but uh, so so Steve Buscemi obviously would get away with being a high school student for one minute. How many how many days do you think you could pull it off? Because I can't. I don't know. Even if I shave, no, I, yeah, I that's the thing, Rick. I think I would have to shave every day. Mm-hmm. But you could. Pull, I feel like you might be able to. Pull I think it I off. could. I think I could. But I'd also have to like change how I acted, though. Oh, for sure. Like it's not just your appearance. You have to act like you're. A uh, seventeen-year-old. Yeah, Bush, I mean, but and you, you know what? You might have a good in here because you work with college students. Yeah, the, right? I mean, they're, the vast majority of students I teach are like eighteen or nineteen yeah, years so old, so already, they're not too far from that. You already know how they act. Yeah, right. So you could probably work your way. Now, why would you do that? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> right? That I have absolutely no idea about. All right, and this is what happened: some woman in New Jersey posed as a high schooler for four days, and she got away with it. And then now she's she's going to be charged with with something, right? Like I I don't I don't, what is she going to get? Yeah, with? she was charged with faking documents. Yeah, she provided a false birth certificate, so she's going to be charged with something related to that, providing a false document. It's not clear what sentence she might face if convicted. It's also not yet known what the woman's intentions were. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, the... Because, like, why are you doing this? Right. You could go any... I don't even want to, like, pretend to understand. But there's, like, right away you just go, this country is a mental health crisis. Yeah. And what better way to serve this mental health crisis by having more workers in the mental health industry which is something maybe we could use Wisconsin's budget surplus on getting these people uh, uh, degrees in mental health. But what if we got them fake degrees? Oh, jeez! Because this is another story, and we're continuing our saga on things that happen in Florida. In Florida. Obviously, fake fake student, a 29-year-old is a fake high schooler. I'm surprised that didn't happen in Florida. It happened in New Jersey. But in Florida, 25 people are being charged with this fraud, this wire fraud scheme of getting 7,600 people Fake nursing degrees. This is crazy. Oh, yeah, that's that's unsettling. Right. You could be at the hospital and this person 
just purchased a fake degree online and is giving you, you know, whatever, your dosa, I don't know, whatever. It's been a while since I had to take a dose of anything but ibuprofen. I mean, this is why academic integrity is a big deal. We think about it a lot at colleges and universities. It's not just something that we shame students for if they forgot to put a citation into their paper. I mean, the stakes can actually be really high when it comes to academic integrity. Like, is a person who's doing an important job actually qualified and did they actually receive the education to do that right and so this is scary because it deals with people that are sick you're in the hospital or you're a home visit i don't know whatever you know whatever diploma and nursing degree you wanted to get and and get a job they had to you know what's interesting is they did have to pass some kind of test because nurses like we couldn't we couldn't figure that part out of the scheme we couldn't fake the test or fake the grade sure. hey, you passed the test so Apparently there was, you know, there was a little bit of a scenario here because you'll see this on movies all the time, right? Like the the cab driver is actually a doctor from Azerbaijan, you know, who oh, yeah. worked, he, right, he, he's right. got a doctorate degree, but he comes to the U.S. for a better life. But his doctorate doesn't transfer over, even though he's like this 20 year experienced physician. He can't get a job at a hospital because there was a degree. Um, so these nurses did have to pass some kind of like exam, a nursing board exam. So maybe they. Maybe they do know something. Could we could we just give people the exam? Hey, oh, sounds like you know what you're doing. Or maybe the <laughs> exam isn't good enough here. Maybe the exam needs to be harder. I don't know. Um, all right. So uh, along these lines, they had this conversation a little bit. And you obviously, are you giving out term? Like, are you making your students write term papers? You, you know, we, is this, is this going to chat GPT? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, we talk about, like, you know, we have had to think about our assignments and what we are asking students to do in light of chat GPT. It's not like we're anti-artificial intelligence. This well, is and it's like artificial thing. intelligence. And I bring it up because a 29-year-old poses a high school student. Yeah. She had to fake documents. Uh, 7,600 people bought fake diplomas to be fake nurses. So this there's some tech involved here, and I don't think AI maybe didn't play a role here. But now, now chat GTP is basically artificial intelligence, kind of like kind of unfathomable how to think about it. But you can you can ask it to do a thing and yeah. it will it will publish something. We're seeing it all over like they're doing it's doing movies. You see it in a, in a funny light, like um, the Hallmark movie one is the funny example I, a couple months ago during Christmas. Tell the ask the artificial intelligence. You make it watch a bunch of Hallmark movies, Christmas movies, and then have it write its own script. And then you read the script, and it's completely hilarious because it's like some of it's Hallmark movie and some of it's madness because it doesn't exactly fit because the, the artificial intelligence doesn't know. But it's getting better now to actually write term papers that if you saw yourself, you'd be like – and it's in, in, one, in one situation, it passed. It got it like a B-plus on some very high-level – paper right yeah rick i'm actually planning to do some research on this where i will write some various assignment questions and then see give them to students in my in-class exam so it's during class yep. they can't possibly use chat gpt well wait could the students be like d ducked down and their phone is oh rick here's the thing though i'm a millennial college professor so booking? i know 
when someone is on their phone. Oh, okay. I know when people are distracted by their electronic device. Why? Because I'm always distracted by my electronic devices. I know exactly what that looks what's, like. What's the next up from millennial? What's Is it Gen X? Gen X. Okay, my Gen, I might be Gen X. You, but, you might be at the end of Gen X. Yeah, I think I'm right at the end. Because at one point, you're a millennial. You know when people be on your phone. Yes. But the Gen X people might be like, you know what I'm doing? I'm giving you a blue book and a pen. And you're oh, I do that. Out. Oh, you do, do I that. do that. Yeah, okay, I'm old school in that way. Right, so if you had chat... If you had AI write you a, a an answer to one of your 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 quiz questions or whatever, they would have to, they wouldn't be able to do it because otherwise you could copy paste it into a you know if you weren't doing right. a blue book. Okay, so you're there. That would be hard to do. So that makes sense. I'm planning to ask some possible questions for assignments and exams and give them to Chat GPT and then compare them to what students actually produce. And then grade the AI-produced responses like I would grade a student response. My challenge here is how to write assignments that are, like, AI-proof. And this isn't to say that I think students are a bunch of cheaters. Like, I obviously don't. But we are in this new era where AI is becoming increasingly powerful. And that has great consequences in many ways. It makes our lives easier in a number of facets. But it makes your life harder. It and also th- makes my life harder. And I think maybe you could ask for a raise. I, I probably should. If you're doing all this extra, like, just think about regular teachers. Not not that you're not regular, but, like, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking you're, you're a doctorate, Ph.D., uh-huh. political science professor at university. Now I'm just going, I got my degree, four-year degree, and now I'm a, I'm a seventh-grade teacher. And now I have to think about the same things you have to think about. But I'm not on the le- same level as, you know, sophistication as you in that regard. So, but I also have to figure out if my seventh graders are using chat GTP to, to write fake papers. Yeah. I mean, I think that we want students to embrace this new era of big data and AI. I mean, it's the world that they're going to be living in. Right. At the same time, we need to make sure that they're learning and assess what they're actually learning. Thinking for themselves. and all it, that. It's a really tough uh, needle to thread. And I think it just challenges us to write better and perhaps different assignments but it, it is definitely a challenge, and, and I think that in, in one sense, we've got to embrace this new era, but in another sense, in another way, we've got to kind of rethink how we do some of our jobs as teachers. All right, that's UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chagoski. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Gableman investigation into the 2020 election. We got some financial numbers coming from that. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Um, got this new text system. Okay, so the text line is a little different, so I'm trying to, like, navigate it, but we're good. Um, all right, did I say who you are? Did I do that? UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here. Uh, I... Right before the break, mentioned that the uh, the Gableman, so Michael v- Gableman, a former Wisconsin Supreme Court judge, as we have what's going to be the most expensive Wisconsin Supreme Court race in the history of the the state or the, the nation. nation in the nation. Okay, so good, that's great. Um, it, we we hired him. We as in Republicans, as in Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, hired him to investigate the 2020 election, and then it got to the end of that, and Voss then just fired the guy. Yep. Did we find anything from that? No. Not at all. That's it. So, and then uh, the last I heard, it cost about a million bucks. We now have an updated tab, 
and the updated tab for the investigation by Michael Gableman into the 2020 election in Wisconsin is over $2 million now. Now, Rick, the interesting thing is that $1.5 million of that is for private attorneys working on lawsuits related to the investigation. So not actually the investigation, but all of the legal battles and legal drama that got involved with the investigation. Okay, but this is the ongoing saga that I have with these things. Gableman's hired attorneys to fight a lawsuit. Who is suing him? Is it us? As in, is Wisconsin suing... Are we having dueling dueling polit- political parties suing each other? Because then this tab could be double that, right? So, yes. So there was a legal battle between Gableman and some mayors because Gableman wanted to arrest some mayors if they didn't show up to testify. There was also a nonprofit group that wanted open, open records. records. Yep. And so they're not a government agency. They're just a nonprofit yep. clean government group that was suing him, but that racked up the legal bill on the Wisconsin government side. All right. So I guess when when it's all said and done, we could, we could say we could blame the attorneys and we could blame the lawsuits. The, the investigation apparently only cost only quote unquote a half a million dollars, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really amazing that the investigation itself cost about $500,000, but the legal battles cost $1.5 million. I think it just shows that there were a lot of problems with this investigation. There were a lot of missteps that opened the investigation up to legal challenges. You wouldn't expect that to happen, given that it was a former state Supreme Court justice who was leading the investigation. Nevertheless, there were a lot of issues with the transparency of this investigation, some of the tactics, the he hardball was, tactics that there, were used. There were two things we talked about that were funny about the investigation. One was he was at a public library working on this investigation where anyone could have seen like some of the right, like probably some confidential stuff and we're just at a public library. The second one was his office was like connected to something weird, right? Yeah. There were some odd aspects of this investigation in the 2020 election in Wisconsin. First of all, Michael Gableman, the lead investigator didn't even have a computer for a period of time. So he conducted the investigation on the public computers at his local library for a period of time. And then did we buy him a computer as taxpayer? Eventually he got a computer. Eventually (laughs) he got an office space. The office space was in a strip mall in Brookfield between a plastic surgeon and a marital counselor. Right. Perfect. All right. Moving on. I want to get to the governor's state of the state address. State of the state. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Proposed the two year budget. Well, Kind of. It's an interesting situation, Rick, because in three weeks, Governor Evers will have a budget address where he unveils his budget proposal. My problem with all this, just because it's going to happen, it's already happened. Like, Governor Evers does the state of the state, I want to do this, 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 and this. And then Republicans' quote is, it's all dead on arrival. Yeah. So are we just doing, should we just, in, in this state at least, should we just, the governor can put out his proposals. But it's not even worth his time to write a budget because the the I don't even know. Do you even think Republicans read his budget? Because I'm guessing it's like pretty long and boring and not even fun to read. Or do they throw it in the garbage and go, we're going to write our own budget? I think they're going to write their own budget, but there is. Well, you know that they already you you know they're doing that. They do. But there is one consideration in mind. And the one consideration in mind is if Governor Evers would veto the budget. So the budget committee does its work throughout the spring, and then the full state legislature takes up the budget. Governor Evers could veto the whole shebang, 
once it passes the legislature. And so they have to be mindful of that possibility. They have to be at least somewhat prepared to deal with that if it happens and maybe try to avoid it. Do they have to be fake nice? They you know have when you go to, to be, a friend's house yes. and your mom, their mom is there when you're a kid? Oh, Anthony, how are you? How was everything? How was your parents? Like, they got to be a little bit fake nice because they're not being fake nice here. They're like, it's dead on no, arrival. I mean, the, the literal the, quote. Yep, dead the, on arrival. the question for Republicans in the Wisconsin state legislature is, do they want to play hardball with Governor Evers and dare him to veto the budget? Or do they want to give him just enough of what he wants in order for him to sign the budget? And is it weird that we... With all this talk that we do, the budget usually just gets signed without a whole lot of drama. I don't even know if it's been late. No, and it hasn't been late under Governor Evers. Right. I was Because I was going to Scott Walker because Scott Walker's budget, his last budget, Republican legislature, Republican governor, it was months and months before they figured it out. Why were And they were fighting. That was weird. And, Rick, one reason that it has been signed by Governor Evers is he has used the line item veto where he can veto particular aspects of the budget – basically eliminating certain aspects of the budget while still signing whatever remains into law. It's a very compelling power that the governor of Wisconsin has. It really makes their hand particularly powerful in these budget negotiations. So it also is quite possible that Governor Evers would not veto the entire budget, but would use the line item veto to try to shape things to his liking. We'll have to see. I mean, he came out with a number of proposals in his state of the state for about $1.2 billion of additional spending, uh, $500 million for health care he proposed about 360 million for child care 100 million for PFAS 100 million for workforce grants all dead on arrival anthony it doesn't even matter and this is something that one of the reporters emily fannin a reporter from milwaukee asked robin voss robin voss was saying oh governor evers he's so partisan and emily was like well is is mental health partisan is yeah, child care partisan is pifas partisan and robert voss said well no 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 but it's the it's the, just the details <laughs> so you know i i think that the republicans wanted to portray this as a partisan message in some ways it kind of was but it's, in it, other ways the emphases were on issues that in the past have been kind of bipartisan issues that's uw the cross political science professor dr anthony chagoski he's uh you know where he gets those stories he signs up for the wisdom insider I do. do that on the Wisdom Insider. I read it every Last day. Last week, I told you to do that, and now you have. Uh, Wisdom Insider is brought to you by A1 Glass. Appreciate them for sponsoring that. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks, Dragoski, for hanging out. Have a good weekend.